are listening to Lighthearted, the official podcast of the United States Lighthouse Society. My name is Jeremy Dontremont. Welcome. My co-host today is Michelle Jewell Shaw, chairperson of Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses, a chapter of the American Lighthouse Foundation. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Jeremy, and hello to all of our listeners out there. Today is March 20th, 2022, and this is episode 165 of Lighthearted. In a few minutes, we'll be hearing part two of a two-part interview with Terry and Jerry Cole. Terry was the park manager living at Fort Point Lighthouse in Maine for more than 30 years. And after that, we'll hear a conversation about youth programs at Tawas Point Lighthouse in Michigan. Before we get to that, has anything happened on this date in Lighthouse history, Michelle? Why, yes, it has, Jeremy. Something important happened 199 years ago today, on March 20th, 1823. On that night, the Northeast Pass Lighthouse in Louisiana went into service. It was on Franks Island at the mouth of the Mississippi River. It was the second attempt to build a lighthouse on Franks Island. The first tower fell apart before it could be completed. The 1823 lighthouse served until 1856. It was eventually abandoned and fell over into the water. The Northwest Pass Lighthouse was replaced by the Pass Alutre Lighthouse in the Mississippi River Delta. The problem with the towers on Franks Island was that they were trying to build heavy structures on very soft clay that just couldn't support them. So, Michelle, let's do a quick recap to introduce part two of the interview with Terry and Jerry Cole. Sure, Jeremy. Fort Point Lighthouse is in Stockton Springs, Maine, near the mouth of the Penobscot River. The light station was established in 1836, and the square brick lighthouse tower and attached keeper's house that stand there today were built in 1857. Terry Cole was a keeper at Fort Point when he was in the Coast Guard for three years in the 1970s. He and his wife, Jerry, were raising two young daughters while they lived at Fort Point in the 70s. The lighthouse is within Fort Point State Park, and Terry became involved as a park manager while he was in the Coast Guard. In 1989, long after he had left the Coast Guard, Terry and Jerry moved back into the light station, and Terry became the resident park manager. Jerry Cole also played an important role, helping to host visitors at the lighthouse and planning events. Terry retired last August after 44 years working for Maine Parks and Lands. I had a great conversation with Terry and Jerry last January. We talked more about living at Fort Point and all kinds of weather, about the concerts and other events they held there, and about what they're doing in retirement, among many other things. So let's listen to part two of my talk with Jerry and Terry Cole now. Once we were there, it again, people would wonder what I was cooking, um, if there were samples available, and what time tea was <laughs> is and um and then you know you'd always get you know the the normal questions about where should i go you know where are the bathrooms can i use your bathroom yeah. you know we're desperate can we our little kids need your bathroom <laughs> and, and lots of little little children toddling up that road yeah. carrying buckets for sand and you know, that that would be, you know, really a fun thing to watch. Yeah, you, you know, every question you could possibly think of. I was not employed by the park, but but I was. And, right. you know, I mean, people would need things. They would get locked out of their cars and need a coat hanger back in the day when that yeah. worked. 
just many, many different questions. Where should they go to eat? If they can't eat at our house, where should they eat? <laughs> yeah. And, Anybody uh, just walk in the house? Yes, we had that happen many yeah. times. Uh. You know, you wouldn't, you know, the, there were signs that said private, but many times we have people, you know, either not see or, or ignore. Right. And they would start walking into the house and it was, yeah. you know, you ha had to be on your toes. You're never quite sure what was going to happen. Yeah. I remember I'm thinking of a couple of stories from other lighthouses, like one where the keeper's wife was taking a bath and a tour tourist uh, just walked upstairs and walked right into the bathroom while she was taking a bath. <laughs> oh my God. A little, little startling. Yeah. Uh, luckily that didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I remember at Portland Headlight, one of the keepers, I think it was a, a Coast Guard keeper in the 50s, said that a woman was staring out at the the, uh, the Casco Bay there, and she turned to him and she said, is that the Atlantic Ocean? I thought it would be bigger. <laughs> I'm sure there are some amazing things people said. Oh, yes. Terry, we were talking about the bell tower, the fog bell tower earlier, which is a very historic part of the station there. How did you kind of utilize that in your time there? You know, it's a, a almost a one, one of a kind thing. Like you said, there aren't that many left. So it, it was, everybody had to go out and sit on it. There's a nice little porch on it. Yeah. And, and you can put your head in the bell. A lot of people like to stand up in the bell. And, uh, yeah. and then you take a rock and you could write things on it inside and little graffiti and stuff like that. But people were respectful. And uh, for a number of years, I had a, some displays inside and would have it open and uh, they could ring the bell by hand and uh, I had a, a replica of Stephen's apparatus I built and you could get the feel of how how what that was like and yeah it was his little museum yeah yeah it's basically what our job was to make Fort Point accessible to the public right in different ways yeah, I thought it was great that the bell tower was open. I, I remember uh, sounding that bell one time. I have a little video of the striker hitting the, the bell. It made a beautiful sound. Yeah, It's great that the, the that bell that's there is the actual, it was a bell that was actually used there, right? As yes. Fog yeah. Bell. yeah, probably a typical, uh, usually a slightly over a thousand pound uh, bronze bell. I think yeah. that's what it is. Yeah. It's got such a beautiful tone, but I don't think the striker's there anymore. Is that right? No, well, after they took out the Stevens was there for quite a while. I mean, I think into the nineteen late nineteen fifties. But when they took that out, they had a, a little skeleton uh, framework, and they had the hammer on it that it would come back. It would be pulled back, and a little motor that with a with a cam that came around and brought the hammer back, and and then it let it go. And so it was right. that was the next thing, and that's still there. Uh, that is still there, but it's, it's usually kind of pulled inside, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. 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 I, I remember the last times yeah. I've been there, it's not in place. So, so it's not quite as easy to, I imagine it'll get a little tiring hearing that bell going all the time. <laughs> After a while, when we were first there, it, it uh, we had the uh, striker or was there and it just, you know, kids, kids just love to not ring it once, but, you know, bang, bang, yeah. bang. And finally I took it down. Then we, we had some kids. I worked at a tech school and uh, had the welding class make something where I could keep the, keep it there, just show what it looked like. Mm -hmm. And that worked well too. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'd just like to talk for a minute about the Flying Santa, something I've I've devoted a couple of episodes of the podcast to. It's something I've been involved with for a long time, the Friends of Flying Santa that does the uh, Santa visits uh, Coast Guard stations, mostly by helicopter these days. It's a tradition that started in Midcoast, Maine in 1929. Bill Winkapa, the pilot, started dropping presents out of his plane for lighthouse keepers and their families. As I said, the flights are now done by helicopter, by the nonprofit Friends of Flying Santa, uh, as a way of showing appreciation to the Coast Guard and Coast Guard families. And there are sometimes civilian stops as well as Coast Guard stops. And Fort Point, while you were there, was uh, sometimes visited by the Flying Santa. What was the experience like when Flying Santa would come in by helicopter there? little history is Captain uh, Mitchell was there at that in 1929. And Winkapaw, the, the pilot, actually did he used the lights to get back to Rockland and he did see Fort Point. That was one of yeah. them that helped, helped get him back. Yeah. Well, he is, I understand it. Yeah. He certainly relied on the lights at night and in bad weather and uh, got to know some of the keepers personally. And that's a big reason why he started the, the flights. Yeah. yeah. Show appreciation for them. The Flying Santa was such a wonderful tradition that kind of heralded in, you know, the, the holidays for us. At some point, usually mid-November, we'd get information. Quite often, it would be Santa himself that would call us. Uh, George Morgan yeah. uh, would would call and say that when they were coming, and it was one of my favorite things when Santa would come, and we would figure out who we were going to invite. So it was it was our children, and at that point, our grandchildren. And, um, and then we always included people from the town, people that, you know, might need a little extra Santa experience. And so we would decorate the house and we would decorate the yard and then everyone would gather, you know, waiting for Santa to arrive. And of course there would be presents, but we'd have to you know, sneak the presents and, oh dear, Santa dropped his bag, you know, <laughs> but yeah. uh, being out in the cold and all those little kids looking up in the sky and waiting at just the anticipation. And then you'd hear the thumping in the background of the helicopter yeah. and, and some, you know, sharp-eyed person would see you know, Santa. spot in the sky, and then yeah. then the kids would go wild, uh, running around and excited. And Santa would the helicopter would come closer and closer, and then quite often there'd be snow on the ground, and the snow would get all flipping <laughs> around. Blizzard, and, a real blizzard. And <laughs> um, and then he'd they'd land, and Santa would come out of the helicopter. You know, quite often in a cloud of snow. You know, like something out of a movie. And, you know, I would go, usually I would go and welcome Santa and just kind of an in between to make, you know, make kids feel, okay, this is, it's okay to talk to Santa, you know, right. and uh, bring him over to the house and give him any have pie. Special... You have apple, you have apple pie for Santa? <laughs> no, but I did make gingerbread men and hot chocolate. And, um, and Santa would sit in a special chair and the children would have, you know, a few minutes alone with him to get their little gift and sit on his lap or whisper in his ear. And, and then when we were all done, quite often the kids would break into Christmas carols and Santa would 
you know, be cheered. And a few times Santa came in and had hot mm. chocolate yeah. with us, yeah. but mostly uh, he would have to be on his way and all the children would wave goodbye to him. And, um, and then everyone would crowd into the lighthouse and have our hot chocolate and uh, gingerbread men. It was yeah. just, it was just, you know, I mean, I got goosebumps just talking about it. It was, Santa was really wonderful. Great. It experience. is such a, it's a great tradition. I've been, I've experienced it on the ground, you know, at Station Portsmouth Harbor near where I live with Santa coming in and a couple other places, uh, Portland Head. And I've also flown along with Santa uh, oh, all, uh, all day, all day one time in the Massachusetts oh. flight. So it's, uh, it's so exciting seeing it from, from any angle. It's yeah. Really the pilots involved, everybody loves it so much. Yes. And I'll just put in a, a plug if people want to read more about the tradition, about what's going on now, the Friends of Flying Santa website, flyingsanta.org. Long and interesting history about that. Let's move on and talk about your your daughter, Amanda, was married at the top of the lighthouse in 1995, right? It, she was that? married at, yes, she was married at the lighthouse. She wasn't, the ceremony wasn't performed at the top of the lighthouse. Okay. okay. But it was in her her plan that she was going to be married at the lighthouse and she was going to hike her dress right up and they were going to have pictures taken at the very top mm -hmm. of the tower. So they might as well have been married up there. It Did she was... throw a bouquet off the top? Gee, that would have been a great idea. <laughs> that must have been fun. It was. It was lovely. You, uh, as time went on, you had grandchildren, and I'm sure the extended family would, would visit there, uh, often other family members. Did you often have uh, family gatherings there? Yeah, we did. You know, I, I don't know if I've said this already, but it was, you know, kind of when, when we came back, we, we always felt a certain sense of duty and uh, hospitality to not only have our family there as much as possible, but also, you know, to include the people in the town and the yep. people on our road and, you know, just to share this experience with whomever we could. Sure. And, and so our daughters both were married and then we had grandchildren and we have five grandchildren total. And they spent a great deal of time with us there. They had their own bedroom with two sets of bunk beds and a trundle bed for the little one and just many adventures and different things that we did having them there for so much time. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we of course went to the beach and played in the fort and, you know, we had, it, it wasn't just summer either. We had snow fights mm -hmm. outside in the middle. We, I remember one time they had, uh, there was so, so much snow. We had just gotten a lot of snow and we had four of the five and they were sledding outside in the moonlight with flashlights. It was, it was wonderful. And we did in the summertime towards the latter part of when the kids were there, they had movies uh, projected onto the tower. Mm. It was kind of cool to, yeah. to watch. Oh, wow. That's great. The, the, the dragon in the lighthouse with Pete's dragon. Oh. Pete's, Pete's dragon Pete's dragon yeah, yeah. They, they love that one so yeah. so we that, that was pretty neat to do yeah <laughs> we also had our families our extended families 
and you know we would have picnics and brunches and of course i'm always involved in cooking and you know we we would have a picnic down by the apple tree or out by the the oak tree the big oak tree that's there or down in a spot where the garden was down by the brick oil house and then we'd have them over by the bell tower and you know in the little yard and yeah it's just just a, a lovely place to share with people definitely i i can't imagine it being any cooler than a little kid <laughs> having their grandparents living in a lighthouse <laughs> You know, a lot of little kids that would, would love that. You, both of you, organized many events there over the years, including uh, steel drum concerts for some years. It went yes. on for, uh, I think, late 90s to 2014. Were those popular? Yes, they were. We kind of fell into the steel drum business with our daughter, Amanda, uh, took lessons and was part of the band. Oh. And the band uh, Flash in the Pan is based in Blue Hill. And every Monday throughout the summer, they do uh, benefit concerts. So they would do a concert and, and then any proceeds from that would go to different charities. So through Amanda, we had the, the first concert there and it was so much fun. The band uh, came there's I don't know how many were in the band at the beginning, mm. but toward toward the end, I mean, there, there'd be like 30 or 40 people in that band. And I mean, just imagine uh, the sound yeah. of that. And we would have them come back every summer. And sometimes they we would have so many people. The park would be full, the both sides of the road coming down to the park, the private road, that would be full of people. We'd have, you know, we could have a thousand people sitting outside under the stars, you know, with their little blankets and their chairs. And the days that we'd have a concert, the, you know, you could see I'd be in the kitchen, of course. And because I fed the band, it was a little incentive to get them to come. Mm -hmm. I would make them a meal and also feed the neighbors because they were going to be put out a little bit by having all this commotion. But as we'd be getting ready for the concert on that Monday night, that we could look over and see people coming across the lawn, setting up their chairs and trying to get a good spot. And then the band would come and set up by the apple tree and put their little awning up and tune up their instruments and then take a little break and come eat their dinner. And as the night went on, it, you know, as it got darker, things just ramped up in the, the frenzy Festive. of, yeah. oh my yeah. gosh, it yeah. was just so, again, I've got goosebumps, you know, it was just people were so happy to be mm -hmm. there and just dancing and, you know, the children running around playing and hula hoops Ooh. and you know, and then we would sell refreshments to make some money for different organizations. We raised money for the town and for the Boy Scouts. And at the at the end of our time there, we raised money for type one diabetes. Mm. And it was a significant amount of, of money that was raised, you know, all due to the, the band being so generous with their time. Um, but it was, it was a magical experience. Yeah. 
Sounds great. Uh, one of my favorite parts of the night was uh, was to, to avoid the crowds, but, but to know walk walk through and just pick up on these conversations and and, and with the different people. And I love to walk to the fort in the background. I could walk to the berm and just look out and, and see all the this whole big area that I'd mow all the time, and it was full of people. And yeah. it just it just was a great feeling to see that. Yeah. Uh, and we had no trouble at no, all. No, it, it was, was it was lovely. It was a lovely time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there was there was one time when we had it was organized. Oh. oh. Uh, we had the Flash in the Pan concert, but it was also the weekend of the. Um, it was a, a tall ships mm. thing. And some the, some anniversary with tall ships. It was ships. a big deal. Like all these tall ships sailed up for and the concert was that night too. And and the governor was there and he came over and, wow. and Angus, uh, Governor yeah. Angus King, and uh, it was quite a night. It was quite a night. And of course the tall ships left later that the next day. Mm -hmm. It was quite a quite a sight. And the tall ships actually came into the Penobscot River. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Wow. I wish I could have been there for that. I wish I could have been there for any of those concerts. It really, really sounds very, very nice. So you did other events there also. I think uh, colonial reenactments and other things, right? Yeah, uh, there were there was uh, several groups that were uh, very thoroughly into their reenacting their time period, and they did all kinds of great activities, firing their muskets and cannons, and and having the the lifestyle of being at a campground for the uh, colonial times. We had a number of those. We had the 250th uh, anniversary of the uh, fort there, and that was that was quite a big deal. And number a number of those types of things. Whenever we do those events, we we open up the lighthouse and take the people up for yeah. tours. And I was going to ask you about that. So I was there a number of times with various groups from the U.S. Lighthouse Society. From for a while, I was doing cruises with American Cruise Lines and and so on. Friends of Flying Santa, I think maybe at least once over the years and you would open the tower for us and one of the of course one of the, the nice things about climbing the towers that you still an active uh, fourth order fresnel lens in there and people get to see that up close and the, the beautiful view and everything what did you enjoy about doing that about opening the tower for people i think the people i mean they they were they were very appreciative of it and they uh, they had all kinds of great questions and i just love talking about it so i yeah. i could get going on all kinds of different parts of it you know and be up in the in the, the lantern room and you know and then seeing that fourth order i always tell them enjoy the view but take a look at this lens because this is pretty special and stuff so yeah i, I think it was the people uh, that just the excitement about having the opportunity to, to go inside a, a lighthouse. Sure. Yeah. It's always special. It always makes it more special for lighthouse buffs, especially when they get to climb the, the tower. Yeah. I'm sure you, you must have gotten people all, I know you couldn't keep it open all the time. People must have been asking all the time, but oh. great that you opened it for groups. Mm -hmm. Terry would give tours basically to anyone, you yeah. know, and, and when we first came back, anyone could give us a call and it, you know can i bring my family from california out to see you know to come in the tower and he, terry'd be like sure you know come on you know and yeah. he, you know any excuse to talk about the history of the area and uh, the history of the lighthouse itself 
you know, was something that always made him really happy. Yeah. I mean, he's done extensive research and has a lot on paper. And there, there may there may be some stories out at some point, but oh, yeah. any excuse to interact with the community and just show people, share what is there, and yeah. it's just a, just a wonderful experience. Yeah. yeah, and our main goal: make it accessible as, as best you can, mm-hmm. and yeah. that was a good way to do it. We'd yeah. uh, put up signs, do do uh, promos, and and uh, we. We did a lot of people. Yeah. 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 Well, you, uh, as obviously you enjoyed it and you were always a, a great host there. I just thought of something I wanted to mention. I wanted to thank you. I don't know if it's uh, one or both of you I should thank for planting some of the, the flowers you had on the, the grounds. Yeah. I, uh, some of my favorite pictures that I've taken of that lighthouse are with the flowers in the foreground. I sometimes would lie down on the ground, you know, to get the flowers in the foreground on the picture. Yeah. So. They're always real pretty in the summer. Yeah, that was that was us. We we had a lot of many Mother's Day and birthday gifts were, you know, planted on in the park. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's hard to leave that stuff behind. But, and, you know, it's still there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one yeah. one time uh, the uh, Searsport Garden Club came over and there's a little pocket of stones and and uh there's a, there's a new a path that was created for the tourists and at the head of that path they they planted uh, hundreds of uh what do you, what are the uh daffodils daffodils, daffodils. yes daffodils. a big a big, big. cluster yeah, of daffodils yeah. down Just, by the um the oil house yeah the yeah. little path down yeah. there i imagine school groups came to the lighthouse sometimes and you, I think, uh, Terry, you, you went out into the community to tell them about the lighthouse also. Is that right? Yeah, uh, we had a whole uh, slideshow at the time. We had slides mm-hmm. and, uh, and went out to uh, school groups, any kind of you know, historical societies and uh, did a lot of that for, for a period mm-hmm. of time. It was, it was a lot of fun, too. The, once again, they were all interested and had good questions and things like that. And and uh, I love doing it. And I had some really good pictures, too. So it, it was a good way to uh, present it. And, yeah. uh, and then in the, in the spring and early summer before school got out, he'd have to schedule the school groups that would want to come. And we'd have a couple hundred kids that would go up into the lighthouse tower. Yeah. And we would we had a, a plan. We had plenty of chaperones and um and then i usually helped terry and we would you know get three or four kids up at a time with with adults you know at the front and the back and getting them up into the tower it was you know it made for a pretty long day poor terry was really (laughs) tired by the end of it but the children just it was just a great experience yeah well, I'm sure it's always always great getting local kids into their their local lighthouse. It's such an <laughs> important part of their their history, and to learn about the fort, of course, yeah. also. Terry, I, I know you just officially retired very recently, just this past summer, right? Just a few, a few months ago, and I'm wondering what are you doing? What kind of things are you doing in retirement <laughs> at this point? Uh, I'm keeping pretty busy. Uh, we've we've built a house, and we've been working on it for like seven seven years and we finally the day i my official day of retirement we 
officially came here to live. We, mm -hmm. we were here. We slept here for the first Just, time that night. That's right. Yeah. Oh, wow. And, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a beautiful piece of property and it's, it's a wonderful little house. It's, uh, it, we've got so much to do <laughs> it, it, right now. It's, it's winter out and we've got, we'll get so much detail work inside yeah. and, uh, we, lo I, I love it. And, uh, Jerry always makes sure that I've got something to do. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, and first time I think ever that we've had our own property, our own place. And, and I'm just working for us and not, you know, uh, all kinds of people. We, I love that too. That was, people always love the, the, the grounds were kept good and uh, mowed and stuff, but uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, That's great. That's yeah. great. Yeah. We, we've been working on this house for five years and, you know, it's all but done. It's like Terry said, it's all those little projects that yeah. have to get finished up and, um, and it is, it is a very small house. So that has its own challenges. Yeah. Our days are filled with, you know, little projects and, yeah. you know, and then planning for the, the summer we have gardens here. It's a nice, quiet, little, little spot. It's interesting that it's just us now. Yeah. It's, yeah. For many you know, years. Must feel I really always, quiet. Yeah. Yes. For yeah. many years, I always felt and, and toward the end of our time in Stockton, I always resented a little bit the amount of work that Terry had to do because it was time to retire. But now it's it's just he and I. And, you know, we just spend our days working on little projects and planning what we're going to be doing in the summer and looking at wildlife and and remembering the things that we've done in our lives and and the lighthouse we're expecting a big storm tomorrow which has triggered like all these memories for us because one of our favorite things was to look out the window and see the snow falling with the lighthouse and the tower in the back the snow against that and swirling and then the house shaking <laughs> and you know doors flying off and which happens wow <laughs> we miss that you know we miss we miss a few things we yeah, miss I... some of our neighbors who walked every day and who became kind of family you know you could always depend on seeing them and there are many little things that yeah yeah it must be so pretty in the snow. It it's magical. Yeah. Yeah. And sure. when Terry and I used to work at the schools and, you know, we would know a storm was coming and then we would wake up in the night and hear the foghorn. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty good chance. There's no school that day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. We, we missed that. The horn is, I think, you know, you know, that it's only by on demand now for yeah. the mariners. It's, we really miss that. I don't know about you there, but in my experience, since they switched to that, those Mariner activated horns, you almost never hear them anymore. When it's foggy, you almost never hear them. No. When it's sunny, yeah. you might hear it. Somebody just showing their friend what they can do with their VHF radio. But yeah. even that is pretty rare. Yeah, it's that that actually was a, a big thing. You know, once once the horn was automated, once they changed all that, we have missed that terribly. Yeah. You know, I mean, the light being on, it's it's hard really to see that during the day that the light's on. But 
and that part of the automation was pretty easy to take but it's the foghorn that yeah that yeah. really yeah 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 are you writing a book about the history of fort point terry i'm working on it <laughs> i had a hunch you as, might be as you know it's, it's a lot of work yeah um, yeah yeah i've edited and i've got so many drafts i'm there i'm pretty close I, we're gonna whip that into shape yeah we yeah, love to hear more about that. I'd love to hear more about it, and like look forward to to seeing it when it's when it's finished. So I have one final question. This is for for both of you, and you to some extent, I think you've both already answered this, but I'll give you one more chance if you want to add anything else. And this is for bonus points, okay? <laughs> the, the question is, what did you like best about your years living at Fort Point Lighthouse and State Park? Well, you know, I mean, just being at the park, just being at the lighthouse was really you know i mean it was a it was a dream because you know when we were first there we were young and raising our family and it was the first time that we had time together together and then coming back there was that all over again it was you know just just a concentrated amount of time that he and i were together there and for me it's really poignant you know talking about it and you know seeing how you know we we grew you know we we lived our lives there and we you know we were young and then we were middle-aged and <laughs> and now we're we're older and you know it's we've so we've seen it from many many different sides and i miss i miss the foghorn i miss you know, the snowstorms and, you know, the excitement of events there. Mm -hmm. um, we miss our neighbors, even not close neighbors, but people who would come daily and walk. And, sure, you know, yeah. you establish a real rapport with people. You know, we miss the people of the town who were always very kind and welcoming to us when we first got there. And, and then when we came back, I mean, there, there are people we talk to on a daily basis, you know, they're part of our lives. Yeah. And um, so it's, there's certainly a bit that is, is kind of difficult to leave, but knowing now that we're, you know, we're on this, this phase of our lives is, is exciting too. Yeah. It's uh, not even real as far as living there and, and having you know a park at our disposal more or less mm -hmm. i i'd uh, i love walking the dog early in the morning i was very early riser and uh, we could go out and walk the paths and you know sit down and uh, on the beach and she'd go swim and get a stick and uh, and uh, walk down to the pier and, and just doing that and uh, that 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 was to me uh, awesome. I, I, I'm an early riser and I got into a, a thing several years ago of doing sunrises. I just it would get a cup of coffee and make sure that uh, it was a great place in the summer. You could you watch the, the sun come up on the left side of the bell tower and then gradually over, you know, to the, to the right. And I, I've got hundreds of pictures of, of sunrises. It just was a, a kind of a magical time for me to to a new fresh day and a new a rebirth kind of of each day and mm -hmm. cup of coffee and 
you know, just and, uh, it, <laughs> more recently I would fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, as just that, those things, yeah, it was really, really special. You know, I'm not an early riser, but I think living there would turn me into an early riser, maybe. But uh, that sounds so so special. Everything you you both talk about, and um, you know, the time has flown by. We've I know so much more we could talk about. Maybe we can do it again sometime. But I want to thank you both again for uh, both spending this time with me today. But um, for all your hospitality over the years, you know, I just think of it as a special place myself, and uh, had so many good times visiting there. So thank you for that. And again, thank you so much for your time today and good luck in the new phase uh, of your life with that beautiful new home you have there. Thanks. And good luck with the snowstorm tomorrow too. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we'll have to make some foghorn noises just <laughs> yeah. so we feel go. good. Our bacon apple pie. Uh, yes, I have. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Have some apple pie and make some foghorn noises. That sounds like a good way to spend a storm. So thank you again, Terry and Jerry. I really appreciate it. Thanks. An interesting side story is that a hotel called the Fort Point Hotel was built close to the lighthouse in 1872. The large hotel could accommodate 200 guests. The large hotel could accommodate 200 guests, mostly wealthy people from Boston and New York City who arrived by steamboat. There were hopes that Fort Point would grow into a resort similar to Bar Harbor, but the hotel failed and it burned down in 1898. Next, we're going to talk a bit about Tawas Point Lighthouse in Michigan, uh, and this falls under the heading of one of our Be a Lighthouse segments. In the segments we call Be a Lighthouse, we focus on people and organizations who are helping people in their communities in all kinds of ways. One of the ways an organization can be a lighthouse in the community is to provide programs and activities that enrich the lives of young people, and that's what we'll be talking about in this case. I recently spoke with Laurie Perkins, who is the Southern Lower Peninsula Historian for the Michigan History Center. Under that umbrella is Tawas Point Lighthouse, which is located in Tawas Point State Park on the west side of Lake Huron in northern Michigan. We spoke about some ways the Michigan History Center and Tawas Point Lighthouse are enriching the lives of young people. Let's listen to my conversation with Laurie Perkins now. I am speaking this afternoon with Laurie Perkins, who is the Southern Lower Peninsula Historian for the Michigan History Center. Along with many other things, Laurie coordinates the Keeper Program at Tawas Point Lighthouse, which we're going to talk about in a moment. Thank you so much for joining me today, Laurie. Thank you, Jeremy. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, I'm so happy to be talking with you again. I can't believe it. I was just looking back and it was about almost exactly two years ago we spoke last time for the podcast. Yes, it just flew by. It sure has. The two years have gone like like nothing. Although a lot's happened in those two years, but it, but so time true, does fly. So, so today, uh, what we're talking about today kind of fits in with our framework of a new segment we have on the podcast. We're calling "Be a Lighthouse." Yes. And it's a broad range of things that we're talking about under that topic. Of course, lighthouses often stand for hope and guidance and so forth. Mm -hmm. And one of the many ways people and organizations can be a lighthouse in the community is to uh, help youth in, in various ways. Yes. So that's largely what we're going to talk about right now. So first of all, please tell me about the virtual lighthouse badge related to Tawas Point Lighthouse. Well, it was a great opportunity. As we all know, COVID hit us in March of 2020. 
And in the spring of that year, I got a phone call uh, from the Girl Scouts Heart of Michigan Council, and they were wanting to give a tour of the lighthouse for their Girl Scouts in the summer to receive a badge. And of course, we were closed for COVID, so we couldn't do it. But a young lady who's involved with that organization, Jacqueline, Jacqueline Remmers, she and I put our heads together and uh, this big electric spark happened and we decided we'd go virtual with a badge. It hadn't been tried before, but we thought, hey, we'll try this. So between she and I, we developed a program that lasted one hour, two, two one hour sessions over two days that introduced uh, this troop of girls there were about 10 or so, it was, it was our pilot, our test pilot group to the lighthouse at Talos Point. And we were fortunate in that the friends of Talos Point Lighthouse had just produced a virtual tower climb of the lighthouse. And it was a great opportunity to share that virtually with these girls, because they obviously couldn't go up the tower then. And we put it together with stories and one of our volunteers in our main office here in Lansing, he loves Lake St. Clair there north of Detroit. And he had grown up on the waterways and he knew boats. And he had hand carved a whole series of boats for us to talk about boats in the Great Lakes. So we used a schooner. Uh, it was a model maybe about, oh, you know, a foot long. Mm -hmm. And it had the sails and everything. So we used those models. He did a lighthouse too to tell the story and we used child of the sea which was a book written by a young woman who was one of the first lighthouse keeper women woman lighthouse keepers on beaver island mm -hmm. and her name was last name was williams and she we, we excerpted some of that from the child's perspective and then we made lighthouses we took recycled material cups and uh, glue and stickers and everything. And we sent these materials to these girls as a kit. The Girl Scout Council paid for the shipping, collected the materials and sent them to each participant along with their badge. So if the girls completed this two-day session, they got to open their package, make their lighthouse. And um, they even sent a, a battery-operated votive candle so they had instant light in their lighthouse. Mm. Wow. And uh, then their badge was included in the kit. It was a little triangle uh, badge with a lighthouse on it. And it was great. And I tell you that second night of making lighthouses, these kids had full concentration. I just, I, it was a Zoom call. We'd have 20 girls on at a time. And just looking at those uh, little faces, uh, these girls are seven, eight, nine years old just intent on building these lighthouses and they used so much creativity, it was great. And then we gave a little quiz and I had a little PowerPoint about Michigan's uh, lighthouses as well as Tawas and so we had fun. And we had so much fun at it that the Girl Scout Council decided they would offer this on their website and we were swamped. We had over 66 kids go through this program they were from all over the United States. Even the Girl Scout Council in Michigan was stunned by the number of young girls that signed up for this program to get this badge. Uh, kids that signed up from states that don't have lighthouses like Colorado. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, I can't think. Can you think of a lighthouse in Colorado? Uh, <laughs> not that I'm aware of. There might be a fake one in a parking lot somewhere yes, or something like that. Right, but not, but not a working one. Yeah. And uh, but we had kids from Texas, from Florida, from Kentucky, Tennessee, Ohio, and about 50 girls from Michigan. But it was a lot of fun, and mm -hmm. they enjoyed it. And we're hoping to bring it back uh, again at some point. They did record it so that they can do it again without me, but uh, yeah. it was fun. Fantastic. It all sounds so, so great. So the uh, the virtual lighthouse tour you talked about, is that mm -hmm. available online? Can it everybody is. See? You can go to the Friends of Talos Point website, not the Facebook page, but their website. And you can click on virtual tour and you can take a maybe three, four minute tower tour. And it's very cool because you can even hear their footsteps as they climb the, as the camera person mm -hmm. climbs the tower, you can hear their feet hit the uh, metal steps. So yeah, uh, it's, it's been great. We've used it in a lot of different ways uh -huh. uh, in the last two years. So, yeah, well, obviously it's, uh, it's nice to get people to the lighthouse, but uh, a virtual tour like that is certainly uh, right. the, the next it's, best it's thing. It's easy to do. I mean, these, the tour was done on an iPhone. And so yeah. I would recommend it to all your members out there. You know, yeah. if you haven't, if you haven't done the virtual tower tour yet of your lighthouse, do it, um, yeah. and set it to music and people will love it. They just will love it. They can watch it at midnight in their funny, fuzzy, you know, bunny slippers. <laughs> yeah. Well, I completely agree. And quite a few lighthouse organizations have done things like that. Some have done sort of VR type tours, you know, mm -hmm. the type where you, you on, on your computer or your phone or whatever you can click on uh, the steps going up and and look around at the oh, view right. by clicking on different things or you can do a, just a, a video version or it can be you can do both um, but i think uh, either or both are are great things even if there wasn't a pandemic going on it's a nice way for people who can't right. get to the lighthouse to absolutely visit. who cannot yeah. climb the stairs it's a great way to to experience the lighthouse that's very true too. Not even some of the people who get to the lighthouse can't necessarily climb it. So it's a nice right. way of experiencing that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if yeah. you don't like heights, you know. <laughs> right. And there are those people too. I've yes. certainly <laughs> met a lot of those over the years. So yeah. uh, what do you think the girls who took part in the, the virtual lighthouse badge program uh, took away from it, would you say? Oh, I think the, the funnest thing was introducing them all to each other and having them say their state. Uh, name and in realizing that the world is bigger than out here in Michigan and that you can meet people who have the same interests as you no matter what and that was the funnest part we did an introduction around and they would say their state and then I would ask them do you think your state has a lighthouse mm -hmm. uh, but the most the most fun uh, memory I have is not to pick on Colorado but I, I was doing the hold up your hand, here's Michigan, here we are. And the young lady from Colorado said, I can't do that because my state <laughs> is square. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what is this? She had, she had never seen that before. Anybody hold up their hand and go, this is Michigan. But it's automatic for those of us that grew up in Michigan. People ask, where are you from? You just go like Right, that. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Or this way, depending on which way Detroit is, right? Yeah. I guess the, the states from about the Midwest to, to the east are all irregular shapes, whereas to yes. the west, they tend to be more regular shapes. But, That's right. And that was yeah. her big revelation that somebody could actually show their state on it. Here in New England, I guess Cape Cod is a little bit along those lines. Yeah. We talk about the elbow of Cape Cod or the... Uh, sure. 
the armpit of Cape Cod. I won't say which town that is. <laughs> That's a, a little bit like that. So yeah. you mentioned that the program, you do have plans to continue the program in the future. Anything uh, definitely in place at this point? Not at this point, but I, I know that they did record the last session that I did with them. Mm -hmm. And so they, they're free to use that however they wish. And, and they can still do that. Yeah. But I know that Jackie wanted to bring the girls actually physically to the lighthouse this summer. So it may have been a short-lived thing, but but if that's the case, then we've sort of retracted because now only the group from Saginaw can come and right. we've lost our outreach, you know. So I well, don't know. Can, I don't know where this is going. Or maybe both have the local yeah. ones come to the lighthouse, but do a remote program for for others yeah. if they want to do yeah. it. We we haven't we haven't really got that in depth in talking about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's an definitely. opportunity for sure. Absolutely. So let's just talk a little bit about the resident uh, volunteer keeper program sure. yeah. at your lighthouse. How, just uh, without going into tremendous detail, I know there's a lot to it, but what, what is that program? Uh, how does that operate? Well, this is an opportunity for folks to spend two weeks at Tallis Point Lighthouse. Uh, there is a fee this year for doing that, uh, but you can learn all of that information on our website. But you get to be a volunteer keeper, which involves giving tours to the public. Uh, the first year, 2020, when you and I talked, I had over 1,100 applications to the program. It was, it was huge. We ended Remember. up with 1,100. And we settled on 40 folks, and they went through the whole training. And of course, then we were closed. In 2021, we offered them the opportunity to be a host outside the lighthouse while living in the lighthouse. So it was kind of a hybrid. The, the keepers stayed in the keepers quarters just as they would have on a regular uh, visit. They were in their own bubble, so to speak. And then I had a tent and table outside that they put up displays in and activities for kids outside uh, during the summer. And we were able to bring back about five of those 10 groups that we had uh, scheduled in 2020. So mm -hmm. this year, the application is open now till February 11th. Uh, we're trying to get teams of four. We're interested in people from all over the country, all backgrounds. You just have to be 18 years of age and able to climb that tower uh, and be, and be a, a host, you know, be, be uh, personable with the public and share your love of lighthouses with them. So we go, we go through training. You don't have to worry about learning, you know, big volumes of facts, but um, it basically is an afternoon uh, every day uh, except Tuesdays. And that's when our friends group come in and do the tours uh, for us so that keepers get a break, so to speak. So. Yeah, well, it's a great program. And yes, you mentioned is. to me that the, uh, the resident uh, keepers, volunteer keepers do uh, some work with visitors in general, but uh, yes. especially uh, youth who come to visit. Yes, they, they do. In fact, outside last year, we not only had the virtual tours uh, ability on phones and iPads, but we also did knot tying. We did a color sheet. Uh, one of the keepers was a school teacher and she had a science background. And so she brought a tray full of sand and she poured water through it to show how the, the spit of sand formed for the light, where the lighthouse was sitting. And so it, again, you can bring your skills and talents and background to the keeper program and use it out there in the public. And the kids loved it. And so did the adults, frankly, we, we had these pre-cut pieces of cording and a sheet to learn to tie knots. And 
And the keepers told me they had adults that would sit at the picnic tables and tie as many knots as the kids did. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, and then they explained why it's important to learn to tie knots in order to survive out there at the lighthouse. You've got to be able to tie a good knot or you might find yourself overboard. (laughs) Right. So uh, that those are the kinds of things that we did. And uh, do you have any plans, uh, anything specific as far, or it doesn't have to be specific. Do you think you'll be developing more uh, programs for for children? I hope so. I think Mm -hmm. the ability to get back into the lighthouse, we're hoping we can get back into the lighthouse, let's put it that way. It may be a hybrid where if counts are high, we're outside. It may be the keepers are uncomfortable being inside. Because once we get to the top of that tower, it gets real. you can't social distance. Right. There. And so yeah. people will be wearing masks. So a lot of it will depend on being flexible. But yeah. I'm hoping that we can get more kids into the lighthouse this year, as well as do some programs outside. And we could still be tying knots while people are touring the tower. So sure. you know, it just it just depends. We're, we're going to keep it open and we're going to be flexible and yeah. we want to keep people safe. That's our main goal. We don't want to get in the news for being a COVID situation. <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, so many lighthouse organizations all over the country are dealing with these, these same issues yes. these last couple of years. And yes. I think when you, I think you use the word hybrid, I think uh, a lot of us are aiming in that direction where you just, uh, you know, you don't just do things one way. Right. And you can be, uh, it can change uh, week Out to week. Dime. Yes, absolutely. Day to day. So um, it's nice to be flexible. And it's great that you have both in-person programs and virtual programs. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to need both <laughs> going yes. forward. But yes. uh, the programs you do, the the keeper program and uh, everything you do with uh, with outreach and so forth, it's just, it's a nice model for, for other organizations. Yes. Uh, And it's a real pleasure talking with you again today, Laurie. I want to thank you and everybody at Towers Point Lighthouse for being a lighthouse, for being lighthouses themselves. You and your your volunteers and everybody for being lighthouses in the community. Thank you for that. Thank you so much, Laurie. Great talking with you you, again. Thank you, Jeremy. Good to talk to you again. We'll be sending a Be a Lighthouse Award to Towers Point Lighthouse. Thanks to Laurie Perkins and Terry and Jerry Cole for today's interviews. Thanks, as always, to the U.S. Lighthouse Society and its affiliates and chapters. Visit uslhs.org to learn more about everything the Society offers, including tours, preservation grants, and the Lighthouse Passport Program. Uh, I just want to say we're sending our love and wishes for peace to the people of Ukraine. And I should mention we're actually recording this on March uh, 2nd. And hopefully by the time people are hearing this, the situation will be better than it is right now. I hope so, too. The author E.B. White once wrote, and I quote, I would really rather feel bad in the state of Maine than good anywhere else, end quote. To all our faithful listeners and to our new ones, thanks for listening and keep a good light.